Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. All right. Good morning. All right. I'm really excited about that series, The Messy Message. Um, it, it's interesting how oftentimes the very circumstances we're going through, we would not wish to have gone through. And then you look back and you're like, man, that was one of the best things I ever went through in my life. Have you guys ever experienced that? It's, it's not that you look and you go, man, I, I, I'm really excited that everything's going on. Like you're looking up and going, I don't even know why we're going through this or how we're going to get through this. And then you get through it and God does so much in your life and reveals himself to you so much in such a way that you literally are like, Man, if I wouldn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have seen God show up. And so uh, super excited about that. Before we get going uh, into our talk today, just want to remind you, I said, I said all this month I'm just going to take a few minutes of every talk, and I'm just going to remind you of some things that are coming up. Uh, Susan and Scott talked about the Convoy of Hope um, offering. That's an offering that we're taking that's over and above your n- normal giving. That's why we're saying, hey, would you take some time to pray about that? Like, when it comes to your giving... What I have found is this, that people who take their tithing seriously, that that's a part of their normal thing, you don't even pray about it. You're like, man, Jesus said do it, I'll do it, and it's just this thing. But then there's other moments of your life where you literally pray about something, okay, God, what would you like for me to give? We're saying, what if we gave one day's wage? What if you just picked the amount of money that you would make in one day, and that you give that? And then the dollars that it goes to, goes to an organization called Convoy of Hope, which we love. And they, they are a, a first response organization, and they show up, so they showed up, they're, they're in Florida right now, and they're helping churches and communities rebuild in Florida. They also are in the Ukraine right now. Every year I go to El Salvador a few times during the year, and they, uh, they feed a million children a day in El Salvador. And so they're just this first response organization, and it helps us be uh, a part of just, it's a compassion gift for us. So anyway, be praying about that. Then, two things are happening January 1st that you really need to be aware of, okay? January 1st, we are going to be um, Vineyard Community Church. It's out on Orchard Mesa. They came to us about a couple months ago and said, would you guys pray about taking us on as a campus? We prayed about it. They asked Missy and Kevin McPhail, or Kevin and Misty McPhail, if they would uh, be willing to be their uh, lead pastors out there. Um, Kevin and Missy, they said, they prayed about it. They said yes, and they said, we would do that, but we want to stay on staff with Downtown Vineyard Church. And so we, are, we feel really good that the Lord's in this thing, so that as um, January 1st, we'll be starting a new campus. It's Vineyard Community Church, a campus of the Downtown Vineyard Church on Orchard Mesa. That service will be a 10 a.m. service also. And then on that particular Sunday, we're going to revamp the way that we do our services on a Sunday morning here. For the past 15 years, our services have looked about the same in the sense that we do about four songs of worship in the beginning. We do some announcements, and then we do a message and one song on the back. We're going to switch that. Uh, Starting January 1st, when you come in, we will do two songs on the front. We'll still do our announcements, then we will do our message, and then we're going to do four songs on the back. And here's the reason for that. I really believe that I want to, in 2023, I want to leave more space for God to do ministry in people's lives. 
We're going to spend more time praying for one another. We're going to spend more time in those moments of hearing God's word and then reflecting on what it means to our life. Okay? And so you're going to see this switch. And so if you come in at 10 after, we're probably going to be in the middle of the message. Awkward groans right now. Awkward groans is going on. But I really think it's going to be this space where we're going to pray, we're going to spend more time praying for each other. We're going to spend more time just saying, okay, God, how can you move in my life? And so that's where, that's what's going to happen. And so here's what we're going to do today. I started a series three weeks ago. I'm calling it Kingdom Culture. And the idea of kingdom culture is this idea that in the kingdom of God, uh, over 200 times scripture says, uh, invites us in to join the kingdom of God. It's a really interesting idea. And when I say idea, it's really not an idea. It's actually an invitation into God's kingdom on earth. And so there's this space that says this. We know this intellectually, that Christians are supposed to behave. Oh, wait, I'm saying that we know this. Let me just ask it a different way. Do we know that Christians are supposed to behave differently than those that don't know Jesus? We know that, right? We know that there is this space on how Christians should behave. When Jesus comes into your life, there's this space that God takes over your life, and he doesn't ask if he can take over your life. Literally, in order to be a follower of Jesus, you have to do one thing, and that's give your life to him. It's no longer my life. It means that when I give my life to Jesus, that I do not live how the world lives anymore. I live how Christ has called me to live, that, that Christ becomes my flesh, and that I become a follower and a disciple of Jesus, and my life begins to reflect his life, and that when I do that, there's this space that ends up that we should be living in a different reality than the world lives. Like when the world's freaking out, have you ever noticed when you read the New Testament, the world's freaking out, Christians are not? Literally, Christians are like, oh yeah, yeah, feed me to the lions. That'll be just fine. Hang me on a cross. But would you mind hanging me upside down because I'm not worthy to be hung on the cross as Jesus was hung on the cross? I don't know if you know that that's, those are Peter's words. Right? It's a different reality. And so there should be a different kingdom culture that we walk in and that we live in. That as Christians, our reality should be different. And there should be this kingdom culture that we have. That you, you can look at somebody sitting right next to you and say, um, brother or sister, good to see you in church today. Right? To turn to a neighbor and just go, hey, good to see you, brother. Hey, good to see you, sister. Maybe you'd say, hey, good to see you, husband. Good to see you, wife. But only if you're married. Right? Because in the kingdom of God, because of Jesus, we became family. Do you guys realize that, right? In the kingdom of God, that when you gave your life to Jesus, Scripture says that you joined a, a what? A family. Like, you don't go to work generally very often and think, hey, this is my family. Right? You think these are your co-workers. But in the kingdom of God, you join your family. One of the most amazing experiences I've ever had is I'm in the jungle in Panama. We're back about 40 miles, and we got back there in these logs that were 
kind of dug out to kind of be a boat, but it wasn't much of a boat. And we get back there, and the, the leader of this village, is his, his new name is Moses, because he gave his life to Jesus, and he wanted to, be, he wanted to be the leader of his people, so he took on the name Moses. And I take 25 kids back into the jungle of Panama, and we are in this village where everybody is naked. It was awkward as all get out. And that night, we joined them for worship. And they started singing songs that we all know. And it was like, ah, in the middle of this village, I am with my family. The family of Jesus. And so you see there's this culture that we should be expected to find ourselves in. And so let me just ask you a question today. Let me ask you a a question that you probably haven't thought a lot of, but I bet you have thought of it some. What do you expect from God? Like, you gave your life to Jesus. You do realize that less than uh, about 12% of people in Grand Junction right now are in a church service. Or will even be in a church service today. It's about 12 to 14% of people on a Sunday morning will find themselves in a church service. So you being in a church service today tells me that you're spiritual. That you believe in Jesus. That you, at some point, had some relationship that caused you to say, God, I need you. I'm not talking about where you're at spiritually right now. I'm not talking about whether you're killing it or really whether you're suffering in it. But there's a space between there that you woke up this morning and said, I'm going to go to church. Maybe you came with some friends. Maybe you came with your spouse. But you found yourself in church today. And so let me ask you the question. What do you expect from God? Ever thought about that? What do you expect from God? What do you believe about God? What are the marks of the kingdom of God in your life? That because you gave your life to Jesus, there should be some things that when people look at your life, that they see some things that they don't see in other people who didn't give their life to Jesus. And so the question that we ask is, what are the marks of the kingdom? What marks a believer in Christ? What, when you, when you, somebody examines your life, what should be the recognizable traits that they should find in your life? Today we're going to talk about the kingdom of God and the expectation that I believe that everybody that has given their life to Jesus should have an encounter with God. I believe that one of the defining marks of a believer is that they have a moment in their life. And when I say a moment in their life, we're going to talk about it because I don't think it's a moment. I think it's moment after 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 moment where you see God at work in your life. That you recognize that he's at work in your life. That there's this space that we regularly see the kingdom of God showing up in our lives. Let me just like talk about it for just a second. When we pray for someone or something, when we light a candle, when we come up after service for ministry time, and we say, hey, will you pray for me? 
We're literally saying, hey, would you ask God or would you agree with me and would we talk to God and would we ask God to intervene in a situation in my life? Statistically, about 86% of all people in America ask for prayer on a regular basis or they pray on a regular basis. So although we don't see 86% of people attending a church, 86% of Americans at some point in some time says, hey God, would you help me? Have you ever prayed that prayer? We pray those prayers. Hey God, would you help me? Hey God, did you know? Hey God, would you? And so one of the marks that we should see in the kingdom of God is we should see regular encounters with Jesus. Regular encounters of God moving in our life. That's why we're going to change the way we do service. Because I want to see people having more and more and more encounters with Jesus. My wife and I were talking last week when we were in Phoenix. And I said, sweetheart, do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? She was 15 years of age. She was sitting right over there. We were being raised in a Pentecostal church. Assemblies of God is what we were, right? And, and it, was, it was long before we were the downtown Vineyard Church. It was long before we were pastors. And she was just sitting right there, and it was a Sunday evening service. Because if you grow up Pentecostal, you have church on Wednesday. You have Sunday school at 8 a.m. You have service at 10.30. And then you have Sunday night service when Wild World of Kingdom Disney show is on. And that if you're going to ditch Sunday night church, you have to fake being sick. Anybody else ever do that? All right, I was like, yeah, you fake it. And, and I said, do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? She said, yes, of course I do. I said, do you remember what was being preached that night? She said, no. I said, me either. But isn't it funny that what we do remember is the encounter that we have with Jesus? We may not remember all the details around it. We might, right, not, might not remember the message. We might not remember all of the things around it. But what we do remember is we remember the encounter that we had with Jesus. How many of you remember the encounter that you had with Jesus when you gave your life to Jesus? Yeah. The encounter is what we remember. In um, 1915, in 1915, 90% of all children that were in an orphanage system, that if they came in as infants, 90% of those children died by the time they reached three years of age. In 1915, the orphanage system was really just a system where children, infants, went to die. And 90% of all children in orphanage systems in America in 1915 died by the age of three. It was about this time that this um, professor, um, this doctor, Fritz Talbot, began to study why so many infants were dying in this system. And he came across... This one particular lady, her name is Old Anna. Old Anna was famous because when a child was getting ready to die and they had done everything that they knew to do, they did this thing, they just gave the child to Old Anna and 90% of Old Anna's babies lived. And so Dr. Fritz began to study Old Anna. He says, what do you do that's different than what everybody else does? She says, oh, I believe that every child was meant to have a purpose in life. And so I just hold them, and I talk to them, and I pray over them, and I carry them. And 90% of her children lived. And what Dr. Fritz discovered was that 
children have to be touched and nurtured to live. Because all of us have this great desire to be touched. If you're taking notes today, here's what I believe. I believe the first thing, the first, in, the first trait that you find in Christians, the first trait that you find when somebody has an encounter with Jesus is this, is that the Holy Spirit, that God gives us his spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the mark, it's the trait, it's how we know that God will never abandon us. Like, that's how you know that God loves you, is that he gives you his spirit, and he promises you that he will never abandon you or leave you. When Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he, he called the disciples, and he said, I want you to go uh, in, into the upper room, and don't leave because the Holy Spirit's going to show up, and here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you in all truth, and he's going to guide you, and that he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. And one of the things that we should know about our faith is that we're not people who God encounters every now and then, that God never leaves us, he never abandons us. It's a characteristic of the kingdom of God. It's a characteristic of the kingdom of God. John 14, 16 through 18, he says that, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. And I love this next sentence. He says, but you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And so there's this moment that just as Dr. Fritz was discovering about old Anna that the way that you save a child's life is that you care for it, you love it, you nurture it, you don't leave it, you hold it, you caress it, you remind it that it's loved. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I'm not abandoning you, I'm going to give you my spirit. And I'm not just going to give you my spirit so that my spirit's with you or my spirit's beside you, that I'm going to give you my spirit and I'm going to place my spirit in you. The way that we know that God didn't abandon us is his spirit lives in us. His spirit lives in us. That's why in the vineyard we pray, come Holy Spirit. Did you know that? In, in the vineyard we have this saying, and we say it all the time. You, you may not hear it other places, maybe, but you'll hear it in the vineyard everywhere you go. If you go to another vineyard church, you'll hear them say, come Holy Spirit. And it's this space where we try to make room, where we try to say, Lord, would your spirit speak to me in such a way that I know that you're real? Would you speak to me? Would you care for me? Would you, would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you direct me? Because a person that's in Christ has the Holy Spirit. That, that the, the, the mark of a Christian is a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have a favorite football team? You don't have to. You can say, I hate football right now. We're not really taking that. Well, let's just do it. How many of you hate football right now? All right, some of you, yeah, okay, all right, some of you, amen, all right, all right, some of you. We'll pray for you later. We'll cast those demons out so that Jesus just takes over your body. But it's funny because uh, we throw a Super Bowl party in February, February 12th, we'll throw a Super Bowl party, and on that day, everybody's going to wear their jerseys and stuff, and I don't even have to ask what team you're wearing that you like if you're wearing your jersey. It's just a mark, Right? 
If, if you go to a high school football game, you'll see all the kids. And, 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 and yesterday we saw that Fruta played Central, and I don't know who won, but some of you do. And, but if you go to the, the, the stadium, you're going to know who, who's for Central and who's for Fruta. And the truth is, is that the mark of Jesus is that. That because of the Holy Spirit, people should know whose team you're on. They shouldn't actually wonder. There shouldn't be a guess of, I wonder if they're a Christian. I wonder if they know Jesus. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in you, it develops a character of Christ that begins to come out of you. You become, as Galatians would say, more loving, more kind, more patience. Right? 1 Corinthians 13 that the traits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. How many of you can honestly say, maybe you're not where you want to be, but because of Jesus, you're not where you used to be? Right? It's because the Holy Spirit is marking you. The Holy Spirit is changing you. You see, here's the second thing that we find that as we encounter God. And the second thing that we find is this is that because of God, because of the kingdom of God in us, the Holy Spirit is how God leads us and guides us. That's why we pray. Because God promised that when he gives us the Holy Spirit, that, we would, that he would never leave us or forsake us, and he would guide us in all things and in all truth, right? And the reason that as believers we pray is because that's how God guides us. Has God ever guided you through prayer? Has God ever led you and spoke to you through prayer? There's this passage in Galatians 5.16. It, it just says, simply Paul is just telling the church, hey, so here's how it works. Post-Jesus, when Jesus was alive, we walked, we talked, we learned from Jesus. And now Jesus has ascended to heaven and he's left us the Holy Spirit. And so Galatians 5.16 just simply says, so let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That actually, as believers in Jesus, do you, do you know what we don't have to do? We don't have to wonder how to live our lives. I don't know if that's good news for you, but in the world we live in, I think the world we live in has gone crazy. And I'm not even talking politically. But you should vote on Tuesday. Did you see how I plugged that? That was like a pro right there. I just proed that. That was pro work right there. But the truth is, is this. Is that without Christ, Romans 1 says we make up things on how to live life. We, we make things up because we really don't know. But Galatians 5.16 says that because of we're believers in Jesus, because we gave our lives to Jesus, because the Holy Spirit doesn't live just by you, he lives in you, that he's going to guide you in how you should live. And that when he guides you, he's guiding you because he has a good purpose for your life. He has a good plan for your life. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. I love that. He's saying 
that, that John is saying that when the Holy Spirit guides you, he's going to help you hear God's voice. That when you pray and you say, God, would you speak to me? He's going to help you recognize God's voice. He's going to help you recognize that God's going to direct your life and he's going to say, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Hey, pay attention to this. And the reason that prayer is so important to the life of a believer is because that's how God speaks to us. That's how God guides us. That's how God protects us. That's how God leads us. God has always directed his people through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you things to pray for. Have you guys ever had like this impromptu, like kind of like feeling like, oh, I should pray for somebody right now, right? And then you pray for them, and a little bit, a little bit later, you have this conversation. You're like, oh, dude, you were on my mind. Lene and I, we do this thing. We drive down the road, and we're driving down the road, and I'll just look over at her, and I'll say, hey, will you text such and such right now? Will you text such and such? And she's like, yeah. Hey, and, we, and the text is generally just, hey, you're on my mind. That's code generally for, hey, I'm praying for you. Sometimes it's just straight up, hey, man, the Lord put you on my mind. I'm praying for you. But there's just this space where we're like, okay, God's speaking, God's speaking, God's speaking. And it's always amazing to me how often that, that, that people come back and go, hey, man, thank you for, be, for praying for me, man. I was going through this thing right at that moment. I told you about our airport incident last week. We're, we're in the airport. We're coming back from Phoenix. The lady comes in. She throws her bag down right next to my wife and I. And it kind of goes, like, like she's there. Like she's like, boom, right there. Right? And within moments, we start having a conversation. She asks what we do. We say, we're pastors. And she goes, oh, so you're part of a country club. She didn't say it exactly like that. But that's what she meant. And we said, well, no, I think that lots of people use church as a country club. They're social gathering. I said, but if you've encountered Jesus, you know that church is far more than a country club. Church is the place where Jesus leads you and guides you and speaks to you. And like, it's far more important to have an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus, than it is to be a part of a country club. And when I said those words, she starts crying. She cries for 15 minutes. She looks up at me and goes, I don't know why I'm crying. And I get to say the famous words that people that know why they're crying are crying. Hey, I think maybe God's speaking to you. I think that maybe God wants you to know that he loves you. Right? Like, I think that God's trying to, Connect his heart with your heart. Ten minutes later, I'm talking to another guy, and he's, he's on the same trip. He asks what I do. I say, I'm a pastor. And he looks at me, and he says, he says oh. And then he starts crying. <laughs> it's funny how often I, as a pastor, make people cry. Like, all the time. And I get to say to him, I think that God's doing something. We get to pray for both people in the airport. I shared that with you last week. But you see, the Holy Spirit guides you he marks you he wants to encounter you can i just say this if you've given your life to jesus and you have not encountered god in a significant way lately i would say this that god wants to have regular moments with you where he fills you and you know he's real it's not supposed to give your life to jesus and then gut it out for 45 years you see one of the things i love about the vineyard when we talk about the kingdom of God, we see the kingdom of God different maybe than, maybe than something you grew up with. I can remember that like, growing up as a kid, I was just going to hang on until Jesus came back. 
Actually, in the vineyard, we don't believe we're hanging on until Jesus comes back. We believe we're actively partnering with God now. We're praying now. We're having regular encounters and regular moments now because the kingdom of God has come now. The Holy Spirit is here now. God wants to encounter you today. Some of you have walked in and your souls are so dry. They're so dry. And you do understand that Scripture says that describes Jesus as the living water. Like literally, that when you drink of Jesus, you are never thirsty again. But here's the deal. But if you stop drinking, you're going to get thirsty. Like this, this is a space where you and I are supposed to encounter God on a regular basis. We're supposed to have a relationship with Christ that, where Christ fills our cup, fills our cup, fills our cup. Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all who are heavy burdened. And lay your burdens upon me, and I will give you rest. This is the promise of Scripture. That Christ is a space, and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And God speaks to us. I was thinking just this week about all the times that God has spoken to me in my life. And I, and I can't think about all of them. But I can tell you, I was a youth pastor. I was 27 years of age. I'm driving down 4th or Grand Avenue right here. And as I drive by the church, the Lord asks me to take a right. So I go down to 6th Street. I take a right. I come all the way back around. I park in the bank across the street, U.S. Bank, right over here. And I really feel like the Lord directed me to do that. And so I'm literally sitting across the street. I'm 27 years of age. I'm a youth pastor. I'm not planning on planting a church. I'm a youth pastor. I'm not planning on being a senior pastor. And I pull into the parking lot right across the street. And I pull in and I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And as clear as I've heard the Lord in years, Lord says, I'm going to give you that building. The building that we grew up in as kids. First assembly of God. I'm going to give you that building. I was like, what? That's weird. He said, okay, I'm done with you. Go back to your day. We prayed about that for 15 years. Seven years ago, the pastor who, they, they, they uh, actually um, moved out towards Fruita, their Victory Life Church. The pastor of that church called me up. This church was basically, it wasn't completely empty, but it was not being used, and they wanted to sell it. And he called me up and said, hey, Paul, why don't you guys buy our building? I said, we don't have any money. He goes, oh, that's not a problem. We'll make it super easy for you. They basically gave us the building. Now we, when I say gave it, we have bought it. We still owe $1.2 million on it. But on a $1.2 million investment, we would have probably needed somewhere between $250,000 to $300,000 down. They said, hey, if you'll give us $12,000, you can have the building. So we did. But there's a space, what I'm saying is this, is that we let God lead us, we let God guide us. We let God speak to us. And it's funny that when God gives you a promise, don't lose sight of the promise. I didn't know what that promise was, but for 15 years, Lene and I would come down and we'd walk this building and we'd say, God, we don't know why you said you're going to give us this building, but we're going to pray that you would. It was 13 years later that God called us to plant the church. And so in 2008, we planted the downtown Vineyard Church. In 2015, the Lord began to do a work to give us the building. Does that make sense? God leads you. God guides you. And I'm saying this this morning, that if God's given you a promise, don't give up on the promise because you haven't reached the promised land yet. 
that sometimes it's a long time before you reach the promised land, but you can always count on God's promises. Let me give you the third point. And just so you know, my, the, per, the people running slides are gems because I'm nothing close to my slides today. Here's the third thing. The third thing that God does is this, that in our relationship with him, that he's going to convict us when we're living in sin. And, and, and there's a space, and what I'm saying about this is this, is that, that one of the gifts of God, one of the gifts of God is that he would convict us when we live in sin. Now let me play this out, because some of you right now would say, well, how is that a gift? How many of you guys have ever been doing things you shouldn't do? That's all of us right now, we're all, we're all in the hat. We're all in the conversation right now. How many of you have ever been doing something you shouldn't do and the people around you weren't willing to tell you not to do it? And so you kept doing it and pretty soon it ruined your life or it, ruined, or it, it wrecked your life in some significant way, some way that you wish you wouldn't have gone through. You see, the Holy Spirit guides you and convicts you of sin because the Holy Spirit wants what's best for you. The Holy Spirit wants what's best for you. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, don't do that. You know that that'll ruin your life, but it'll also ruin your relationship with God. Not on God's end, because sin always gets in the way of our relationship with God. Adam and Eve, let's go back there for just a second. Adam and Eve, right? They do exactly what God told them not to do. God shows up in their life just like he did every day. It says every day that God would come in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve. So God didn't change his habit of meeting with them, but now all of a sudden they have sin in their life, and now all of a sudden they're ashamed of what's going on in their life, so they start avoiding him. Does that make sense? And so what happens is, is when we participate in sinful things that are in our life, what we actually start doing is we start avoiding God. And so the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin so that your relationship with God stays intact so that you can come and say, and, and, and God comes and says, hey, Jesus comes and says, hey, I forgive you. I, I'm, we're good. Like, don't do that anymore. It puts a roadblock. If I tell my wife, if she asks me not to do something, and I do exactly what she asks me not to do, how many of you think that'll put a roadblock in our relationship? Every time. Okay, let's play it a little bit different. How many of you have kids? And when you ask your kids to do something, and they don't do what you ask them to do, does that put a roadblock in your relationship? Yeah, for a minute, until you like give them the beatings they deserve. And then we remove the roadblock. All right, some of you guys don't have kids, right? Some of you aren't married. Some of you don't have kids. How many of you have roommates? You're like, not anymore, because they kept putting roadblocks in the relationship. Right? The same is true for sin. When we do things, when we do things that don't honor God, it puts a roadblock in the relationship. And the Holy Spirit is a gift. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something that's going on in your life, it's not because he thinks you're a jerk. It's because he's saying, hey, you realize this is getting in the way of your relationship with the Father. You have begun to ignore the Father. You have begun to ignore. You begin to avoid the Father. Let's deal with that because the Father loves you. And the Father wants what's best for you. 
John 16, 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. And God's righteousness and the coming of judgment. And so he's literally saying, I'm going to convict the world of their sin because I want the world to be saved. I want the world to walk in faithfulness. Let me give you two more, and then I'm done. The, last, the, the fourth one is this. The Holy Spirit is a mark upon your life. The kingdom of God is a mark upon your life. The kingdom culture is a mark upon your life because the Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live a life that honors God. The Holy Spirit empowers you to speak truth. The Holy Spirit empowers you. James 4, 7 says, Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a life that honors God. That's that's the only thing that's going to get us through this world, is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to not quit, to not stop. The power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one. This is the most important one to me. It's the Holy Spirit that marks your life. And the Holy Spirit gives you a connection to the Father. The Holy Spirit gives you a connection to God. Like, Reading your Bible should be a very regular practice of every believer. Sharing your faith should come out of your faithfulness to Christ. But I truly do believe these things. That without being empowered by the Holy Spirit, all of those things will just begin work, become work. All of those things will begin duty. But when the Holy Spirit marks your life, he fills you with the Spirit to do the things God's called you to do, to speak the things God's called you to do. 1 John 4, 4 says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people. Because the Spirit, catch this, because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Like, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. God has marked you with, your, with his spirit. That you, when you gave your life to Jesus, and you said, Jesus, come into my life, Jesus breathed his spirit into your life. Now, here's the peace. I believe that you and I are to be continually filled that, that Christ fills you once. But it's not a filling so that you never have to go back to him. Once you find the, the river, once you find the water, once you find the source, it's all of a sudden, that's the space you want to stay in. That you want to stay connected to the Father. You want to stay connected to the source. And so if you are filled with the Spirit of God at some point in time in your life, and you can say, but yeah, Paul, I really haven't experienced anything from God lately. Then I would say today, would be a day that in just a moment I'm going to say, come Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say, would you invite the Holy Spirit to encounter you again? If you've never encountered the Holy Spirit, if you've never been marked by Jesus, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then I would say today, that would, today would be a day where you would say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Come Holy Spirit. Come take control of my life. 
Come take control of my marriage. Come take control of my thoughts. Come take control of my anger. Come take control of my addictions. Lord, I want to give you my life. Take it. Use it for your kingdom. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. As we do that, would you bow your heads with me? First John 4, 4. But you belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over those people. You have already won the victory over those things. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit of the world. And so I would say, come Holy Spirit. Encounter us. Change us. Heal us. Guide us. Direct us. Matt and Amber sing this last song. Would you just, right now, you showed up here because you believe that God meets you and speaks to you in spaces like this. You might not have thought about it this way this morning. You might not have got ready for church. You might have said, hey, yeah, we're just going to church, and it might be your routine. But the truth is, if we dig into that for just a second, the truth is you came to church because you believe God guides you and leads you and speaks to you in places like this. We know he does it in the car. We know he does it in the shower. We know he does it that wherever you call upon the name of the Lord, that the Lord meets you. But hopefully this morning you came with an expectation that God would meet you this morning. That God would speak to you this morning. And if you didn't, hopefully right now, your heart is leaping with a desire for God to meet you and guide you and speak to you. So I would just say, come Holy Spirit. Come in power. Come in power us for your kingdom. Come meet us again. Come Holy Spirit. As we go into this last song, would you enter it with expectation? Maybe you would stand and maybe you would stay in this posture with your eyes closed, but maybe you would put your hands out in such a way that you would say, come God, come Holy Spirit, come meet me. I don't always do this. As a matter of fact, I rarely do this. But right now as I have my hands out, I can just feel my hands are warm. And I, oftentimes when you have warm hands, it's this sense that God's going to heal somebody, that there's a healing that somebody's praying about, that somebody's going, I, I need God, I need you to meet me in this space. And so I'm coming with expectation, God, would you heal? God, would you guide? Let's stand, let's worship. Okay. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come down. I'm going to ask you to do two things for me, okay? Uh, right here, could I have ministry team come down? And I want you to be, we're going to pray for healing on this side. This side's going to pray for healing. I'm intimidating my ministry team right now. We're going to pray for healing on this side. 
this side over here, ministry team, I want to pray for encounters, new encounters. Okay? New encounters. And so, you know, it's interesting when you read Scripture. From literally Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. The whole thing, right? Page 1 to the last page. What we see as we read Scripture is we see people who encounter God all the way from the beginning of time. This is the mark of the kingdom. It's people who encounter God. I'm thinking right now, and I referenced her last week, I'm thinking about the lady who had the issue of the bleeding. And I I believe it's like Matthew 13, 14, somewhere in there. Um, And that could be completely wrong. You'll look that up and be like, he's not a very good pastor, but whatever. And literally, she is so, so tired of being sick that she has worked up in her mind that if I would just touch the hem of his garment, I think I would be healed. You realize that's nowhere in Scripture. Like this whole thing where people pray over a hanky and then pass it around the room, like not in the Bible. But in her mind, she just got to this place and she just goes, I got to get to Jesus. And if, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. Guess what? She touched the hem of her garment and she was healed. Scripture is literally, from page one to the last page, is people having encounters with God. The mark of a Christian isn't what you believe. It is. That's not true. It is what you believe. But the mark of a Christian is somebody who has encountered God. They've been changed because of God. God moved in their life in such a way that they can no longer deny His reality. They cannot live the way they used to live because of the things that He has done. All right. If you need prayer for healing, would you make your way down to this side? We'd love to pray with you this morning. I believe that Jesus heals. I believe that God heals. I was a kid with epilepsy. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of seizures a day. Up to the time I was in third grade. One day, In one service, a man by the name of Dwight Thompson prayed for me. I stopped having seizures that day. Jesus heals. If you need prayer, we'd like to pray with you on this side. If this is your story this morning, you just need a fresh encounter with God. You just just need to know that God's real. You just need a a, a breath of fresh air. Would you let us pray for you on this side of the room? You can get out. You move. Let's go. Make a move. This is how this is how church works. You make a move. Let us pray with you this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. You don't have to be intimidated. Like this is your opportunity. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Mm. Come on. Anybody else? Just a fresh encounter. All right. 
I'm an everybody can plays kind of pastor. How many of you would like literally say, hey, I'm not getting out of my chair. I'm going to be honest with you, but I could use a fresh encounter this morning. You can just raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I believe God, God's, God wins it all the time. Lord God, we're just coming right now. Come in power. Heavenly Father, come in power. Give us fresh encounters. Give us a new reality, Lord Jesus, that you're at work in our life and that you lead us and you guide us and you never forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this morning we pray that prayer. Let your kingdom come. Marcus, Marcus this morning, God. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you've marked us with your kingdom, that you've given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you'd lead us and guide us as we go today. And we want you to know that we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. The whole church said, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.